This is Postico Chronicles, and I'm your host, Matt Falk. Hello, Postico Chronicle listeners. Our guest today is Stephanie French. Stephanie is an R&B neo-soul singer-songwriter from Alberta. She is involved in a variety of Edmonton-based projects, including fan favorite Black Every Day by Arlo Maverick, and she was also featured as the Starlight Sessions Artist of the Day. Stephanie also authored I Am, a self-explorative poetry book about race and gender, the influence of close friends and family, and the complexities of a relationship with God. This year, Stephanie also debuted her EP, Diary of Stephanie, which is available on all streaming platforms. Thank you so much. Uh, welcome, uh, Stephanie. Oh, thanks. Hi. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. I'm nice. so excited. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to be on our podcast. As per the intro, you've done a lot, whether it's self-publishing your own poetry book or releasing your own EP. Uh, and you people can see you really take a lot of initiative in your work. I'm curious about your thoughts on uh, this new internet trend of uh, manifesting, uh, which it's the practice of thinking aspirational thoughts with the purpose of making them real. Yes. Um, I did not get into the manifesting culture. Um, oddly enough, it, found, it seems very restricting to me. And just the way my story goes, I think if I tried this whole manifesting thing I wouldn't be where I am today so I'm kind of glad I didn't um the parts of like there are I'm not trying to say like manifesting culture is negative I'm just saying it didn't really gel with me like um I think the part that didn't it didn't really work out for me is the part about like you pick one thing and you kind of like speak it into existence, you visualize it, you make a vision board, you make a plan, and no matter what life brings your way, you pursue that goal and you don't give up because you're not a quitter. And I needed to quit a lot of things in my life. <laughs> like if I manifested, okay, like if I summarize the story of Stephanie after high school, like first um, I applied for psychiatric nursing if I had manifested that, I'd be a nurse right now and I'd be miserable. So I'm glad that I cried when I saw that acceptance letter. I'm glad I saw it and was like, no, I don't want to do it. And then I went to music school. And um, after music school, I kind of was like, music doesn't pay the bills. I'm going to be starving. So let's do like education and I can be like the next Mr. Ton. Shout out to my high school music teacher. And I hated that. So if I was sitting manifesting like education, I would be a teacher. And I did not want, like I was sitting in those classes learning about um, the Alberta education system. Like Ed 101 was a very interesting class. Mm -hmm. Not Ed 101, I think it's called Education 100. See, it's been so long. But that class, it seemed very interesting. But I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a teacher. Thank you for all this information. But I don't want to do it. <laughs> I do not. You're telling me if I'm a teacher, that has to be my whole life period? I thought I could teach in the daytime and then do what I want in the evening. No, I don't want this. And if I was doing manifesting culture, I would have stuck with it. And I'm glad I didn't. So there was a lot of things that I quit and I, I glad, I'm glad I quit. I'm, I needed to quit. Um, wow. That's like yeah. a journey in itself. <laughs> like you, it was like, 
like nursing no and then and then you went into the education route and then you're like no that is awful (laughs) yeah I think what it was is um okay how do I describe this like I don't want to blame other people because it's really not other people's fault Um, it's really not it was mostly me not believing in myself or or even bigger just me not believing in the music industry like I didn't think I could do it especially Mm -hmm. since I'm not someone like I'm not a thirst trap person so I'm never going to be dropping a song like WAP you're it's not going to be me and that's what the people want so I was like ah I'm not going to make it so why why fool myself and waste my time I need to get like a real job like people kept telling me things like oh make sure you have a backup plan and they were saying this with like the greatest of intentions, which is why I'm not trying to like blame someone else. But I was holding on to those like those words so tightly because I'm like, these are the people who have like a mortgage. They have money. Why would I not listen to them? It doesn't make sense. So, <laughs> so I was trying to force myself to get like a regular career job. And I hated every single attempt, <laughs> every attempt. So you went to music school. Uh, where'd you go? I went to McEwen University. I did their, um, oh my goodness, what is it called? <laughs> their Jazz and Contemporary Music Diploma. They don't have a diploma program anymore, but that's the one I did. Got it. Cool. Uh, no, I'm glad. And then now you have your EP. Before we jump into your EP, just so that the, I guess listeners know a little bit more about you, in one interview with Starlight Sessions, uh, when you're Artist of the Day, you mentioned in the interview that during the pandemic you threw yourself into practice and making multiple internet friends so what made you want to find internet friends and uh, are they better than real life friends um i think internet friends are real life friends i think they're one of the same um the biggest reason why i went into finding internet friends is because i Uh, no shade to my real life friends. I just did not want to talk to them because they were experiencing the pandemic with me. So I did not want to hear any more of like, are you okay? How's your family? I got laid off. And I was like, I can't hear any more sad stories. I want to talk to somebody who's going to be like, what Star Wars film do you like? Like, I want to talk to someone who does not know me. Also, like, it's kind of like a panic thing I do when I'm stressed. Like, if I'm very stressed out, I just want to like, talk to somebody new, hear a new story, a different thing so I can forget. You know, I'll throw myself into like movies. I just want to hear like a new thing so I can forget about my sorrows and my worries. So internet friends helped and they're, they've been great. You know, I met a lot of musicians. Some of those musicians mm-hmm. were on my EP. Some of those musicians were actually in Edmonton and I got to meet them in real life when things got a little bit better pandemic-wise. So it was cool. Cool. Uh, this is getting into a really good transition to uh, talking about your EP. <laughs> yeah. Um, you performed also like on like a lot of stages. We were like looking at your Instagram, and there's so many shows you've done. Uh, yes. What was your favorite venue to perform at, or your favorite performance? Um, oh, no. Favorite performance? Is that totally uh, different? No, we could stick with the venue. Story. No, it's not. A, it's not a bad question. It's just okay. like, a, I don't know how to pick which one. Um, or a memorable uh, one. You know what? I, I think I have one that's like most. I have two. Yeah, I have two that are most memorable. That would be my favorites. Um, okay. 
I'm going to answer the favorite venue. I have two favorite venues. The first one would be the Jubilee Auditorium because I've performed there the most. There's this um, Black History Month concert that happens there every single year. And my first big performance ever was actually on that stage. And I was just with my church choir. And I think I was like two or three years old. So I'm very familiar with the Jubilee Auditorium. It's just so comfortable as soon as I get... Actually, it's such a comfortable spot for me that parking at the front door doesn't even make sense. I'm like, why am I not parking in the backstage entrance? That's at what? Does this make sense? (laughs) It's just like, it's a really comfortable spot for me. And to go to one of my favorite performances or most memorable, I did one show there by myself. Normally, I do things like with my church choir. And then I got older and did stuff with my dad because he had like a singing group. And then I did this one time by myself with just me and my friends and I organized the whole thing and everything. And what what makes that moment stand out is not only was it my first time by myself, but my shoe got stuck in the crack of the stage. And I just I just flung both shoes off and just continued singing and dancing. And nobody noticed. Like I got off stage and I was like, oh man, my shoe got stuck. Everyone's gonna everyone was like, wow, you were into it. Took off your shoes and everything. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, y'all didn't see the struggle where my foot was literally stuck in the stage. I just thought that was really cool. Maybe um, that could just be your signature move now. You just throw yeah, your shoes off. I feel like I should just always just throw my shoes off. That's my thing now. <laughs> Sorry, were you gonna say something else also? Yes. I was going to say a second memorable moment because I think I have like a top two. <laughs> the second one is um, there's this singer from, I believe, Georgia. Her name is Callie Day. I got hired to be her background singer when she was singing in Edmonton two times. And she was a fantastic person to work with. Oh, like just organized, best singer ever. So comfortable to work with. So like kind i called her auntie callie because i'm like you should just be my aunt you're fantastic so that was cool too our next question is gonna be like about your like musical upbringing so but i I think it's crazy that you're in the jubilee auditorium singing when you were like two or three could you tell us a bit about i guess your musical upbringing and the journey that you went through to find the voice and narrative uh, for your new ep um yeah that's a big question it is a big question and i don't want to like make this a three-hour thing and tell you the entire story and then i'm crying and you're crying and it's a big (laughs) deal so (laughs) um so i guess when you hear numbers like two years old and three years old i've been singing from like the jump that's just like the gift i was given it's what i've been doing from the beginning so the upside of like being musical since like birth is you kind of know what you like from the beginning I always knew I liked singing that was nothing I had to find what I did have to find is like what does Stephanie sound like because the problem with singing from a child is you're a child so you don't have like much like agency over yourself you're Mm. singing whatever the older people around you are listening to you're singing whatever the older people around you are telling you to sing so it was a bit of a struggle to find what I actually liked um I think music school really helped me because music school was the first time that I was challenged to do something other than big loud gospely 
sounds. Because <laughs> mm. before that, that's all I was really given. Even in high school, which was a challenge because I was homeschooled and Lillian Osborne was my first time in a regular school. So being given a bunch of songs that I honestly had never heard before because I was very happy just listening to like Michael Jackson and Earth, Wind and Fire and some gospel songs for the rest of my life. I was very happy with that. So I'm hearing songs I'd never heard before and then being told to sing them. And that was kind of crazy, but no one ever told me to sing it differently than I normally sung. Everyone was cool with me being big and loud and gospel-y Ooh. like I always was. So it wasn't until music school when someone was like, hey, you you can do other things. Try try that. Like, try doing some other things. So that gave me some extra tools in my toolbox. And I found that um, being big and loud was kind of like what, it was kind of the role that I just fell into. And it's not necessarily what I love. Mm. I like more of the jazzy, laid back, neo soulish stuff. I like giving songs a lot of space. Um, oh, I forgot to mention her, Erica Badu. That was another artist I was listening to in my homeschool days that the high school kids were not a fan of, but <laughs> I really liked her. Um, and I didn't realize how much I liked styles like that until university. That's that's when I discovered that. And then after that, it was just kind of like getting the confidence to to do it. Because again, I'm looking around media, I'm looking at the people who are making the most money, because again, I'm thinking, don't be a starving artist. And <laughs> the people making the most money don't really match with my vibe. So I was like, eh, even if I do make music, it's just going to be like me and my mom listening. So yeah. I don't need to put it on Spotify. I could just throw it on SoundCloud or on YouTube. Me and my mom will listen, and that's going to be it. It's just going to be me, my mom, my dad, and nobody else. But I was very wrong, and I'm glad I was wrong, because <laughs> here I am now. Do you ever find the challenging between that, like, making music that in the genre or style that may have more commercial success versus, I guess, making music that is more true to oneself or like too true to yourself um like is that a challenge it is a challenge to it's a challenge to to be yourself in general i find no matter what you're doing so with music it's that extra step of of like vulnerability because it's a hundred percent you like this is what my literal voice sounds like this is the chords that i wrote this is the arrangement that I wrote it's a lot you know so it is it is a challenge I for me personally it was there were more like religious challenges than commercial music challenges because growing up churchy and being Christian everyone expects you to drop like this super beautiful like gospel album and I Mm -hmm. did not I did not feel that It's not that I didn't like that genre or anything. It's just that's not the story I had to tell and I didn't want to force it. So then at the moment or at the time, sorry, I kind of felt like it was either, I felt like my only two options was either go like full churchy and just sing a bunch of like great gospel songs or go fully mainstream. I didn't see a third option. 
even though the third option was kind of right in front of me, like all the all my favorite musicians are not mainstream artists. I don't know why I wasn't thinking, hey, you could just be the people you like, <laughs> you know, they got an audience. You're going mm -hmm. to their concerts. You could just do that. I don't know why I wasn't thinking that. Um, but it is it is a struggle to get there, to be like, you can just be yourself and find your audience. Um, mm -hmm. There's something my dad says. There's a lot of successful C-list and D-list celebrities. You don't need to be the A-list. Like, you can be successful in your own lane. And again, you know, people were telling me this. I don't know why I wasn't listening. I was too busy in my own little anxiety world. But I'm glad I got out of that. Um, not to say anxiety doesn't come up, but it's her voice is a lot is a lot quieter now. I'm curious when writing your EP and producing and recording and publishing it, uh, what was your favorite and least favorite thing about the process? Um, the least favorite thing is actually releasing it. That's the most stressful thing in the entire world. I hate it so much. Um, thankfully, I have a very nice producer who is very patient because I know I'm annoying when it's close to release day because I'm listening to the songs so much that um, I just call it like over listening crazy. It's like when you listen to a song so much that you're just going insane and you're hearing mistakes that aren't even there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a lot of that time I'm like sending him feedback and being like, at two minutes and 38 seconds, do you hear something? Cause I feel like it's not right. Are you hearing it? And if he says, no, it's perfect. I just believe him. I just force myself to believe him. Cause I know I'm going crazy. <laughs> So the release day is definitely the worst. Um, my favorite part is creating the song. I love hearing it go from like just me and my piano to this big creation. I love adding harmonies or listening to over and over and being like, oh, maybe this part, this part should be like quieter. This part should be louder. This part should have like this nice crescendo. What if we add like a nice synth in this area. I love that that creation part, um, which kind of, that that love kind of grew during the pandemic when all I had was just <laughs> doing background vocals for people and doing songs like Arlo's Black Every Day. Mm -hmm. I realized like I love the song creation process. I have now proclaimed myself to be the background vocal queen because I just <laughs> love doing people's background vocals and just helping build a song and make it just that little bit, like just giving it that little extra sparkle. It's my favorite. On that note about, I guess, like the, the releasing, I, I've heard that recording music is notoriously painful. And I think I read somewhere that is like the worst part of like being a musician is like the recording. Like, what are your thoughts on this? And do you have tips for other artists who are thinking about recording or wanting to record something? I can't think of how recording is terrible other oh, yeah? than, oh, wait, other than one thing. Again, the releasing part. I forgot about that. <laughs> releasing it is terrible. The actual art of recording, I just treat it like, treat it like a jam session. Because when I'm recording, I don't think, oh, my goodness, other people are going to hear it. I'm just having a good time. I'm like, this sounds good, so I'm having a good time. So I think it would be less stressful if you just kind of stay in the moment and treat it like a jam session. But in general, I, I get why people would hate it because, again, the releasing part is terrible. That is just top-level anxiety. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> With 
Canada coming sort of out of lockdown. Um, what are your plans? Uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on touring? I am not doing a tour. I do have a concert <laughs> coming um, August 8th here in the Edmonton area. It's actually in St. Albert, but, you know, that's Edmonton adjacent. Um, after that concert on August 8th, I plan on going in hiding a little bit just so I can, like, relax, figure out what else I... Because I've got a lot of songs. i got to figure out what I want to release, what I want to arrange, how I want to arrange it. Um, I have a second poetry book that I've been working on, so I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to just go in hiding a little bit. I'm also moving. I'm going to your side of the planet, so I've got a lot of things to do. Oh, wow. Nice. That's going to be, uh, I mean, it's a transition. Uh, if you uh, come to Toronto, hit us up. Uh, I am not going to like Toronto, Toronto. I I believe in respecting the GTA. I'm not like the other people that are like, I live in Pickering. That's GTA. And I'm like, that's not. That's Pickering. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you ever come, you know, come to, come but to I'll, I'll have a car. So, you know, if I come by, I'll let you know. Nice. That sounds good. Um, well, thank you so much. Uh, again, it, it, it was uh, such a pleasure speaking with you again. Uh, where can people fo follow you on social media and listen to your music? You can find me everywhere at The Stephanie French. Um, I think the easiest way is to just go on my website, thestephaniefrench.com. There's like links everywhere to my Facebook, Instagram, etc. And you can find my music on all streaming platforms just at Stephanie French, not the Stephanie French. But if you put the, I'm sure it'll still pop up. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thanks. Wherever you are listening, remember to follow us or subscribe, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts, to be notified of the latest episodes. Also, it really helps our podcast. If you think there's a guest that you would like us to interview or you yourself would like to be on our podcast, send us an email at postacodechronicles at gmail.com. You can also keep up with the latest PCC news by following us on Instagram or Twitter. Postacode Chronicles is hosted and produced by me, Matt Falk. Alice Coombs was the co-producer for this episode. Our staff also includes Kasun Medegadara and Rostislav Seroka. Our main theme song is called Last Energy for the Day by Loyalty Freak Music. And there are other music credits on our website. Thank you for listening. See you next time.